With you, a Happy Days podcast. I'm Dan. I'm your host. How are you? This is season four, episode ten, and in this episode, we are discussing the physical from February twenty second, nineteen seventy seven, and Joni's weird boyfriend from March first, nineteen seventy seven. Both episodes directed by Jerry Paris, and we'll start off talking about the physical, and uh, written by David Ketchum and Tony DeMarco, who had written uh, the Time Capsule episode, which I quite enjoyed. And luckily, after graduation. I quite enjoyed this episode too, but I, I will tell. Let me just give you the quick breakdown. Um, basically, all the guys in the area—Richie, um, Potsy, Ralph, and the Fonz—get a letter from the army to go down to the local, I guess, recruitment office um, to um, take their physical. They are not getting drafted per se. It it looks just like because uh, the the country's not at war, so it looks like they're just. Um, I don't know exactly what it is they're they're doing. I guess. Um, it's a it's a like a preliminary um you know get everyone's physical get everyone's information down and then when it comes time for the drafting you know i guess maybe easier to um get a hold of people you know or maybe like don't don't call on this guy call on this guy this that and the other i don't i don't know exactly what it is but they're not at the end they're not drafted they have just taken this physical but draft being drafted is in their future at some time possibly and if you know where the series is going this is very um prescient episode anyway yeah that shows up and, and none of them are, are too um thrilled about it richie seems very down about it the Fonz doesn't seem worried ralph is kind of uh, half and half on it and um Potsy just seems a little dazed and confused and so they go uh, they go to the place and there's this guy sergeant bachelor who's a real pain in the ass who who causes you know who yells at everyone and tries to um one up the Fonz doesn't always work especially when we get introduced to lieutenant quinlan the um the uh, ner- uh i think she's a doctor well they call her lieutenant they don't actually say what she is um but I, I assumed she was a doctor or a nurse um and lieutenant quinlan is played by you got it linda k henning hooray betty joe from petticoat junction and she uh you know she might like the fonz you know, and there's a tragedy between her and the fonz why wouldn't there be anyway um this is this is yeah i go in and get um meet some army guys who yell at him and there are some jokes and things kind of episode we'll talk about it uh right after this give us a room with a view of the beautiful rhyme give us a room with the view of the beautiful rhyme give me a mighty old creek any old time I got those up, two, three, four Occupation G.I. Blues From my G.I. head to the heels of my G.I. shoes And if I don't go stateside soon I'm gonna blow my fuse Just a couple of things on the, the draft stuff Um before we get into the uh, the heart of the episode itself, now this one about seven minutes in goes to the um, the uh, army area there, and it spends most of the rest of the episode there, apart from the closing where everyone plays football out in the lawn and they break a window. 
um, which is a fun, which is a fun ending. But yeah, I've never, I, I don't think I've, um, I have not been a grown-up age uh, when there has been a draft. But I know, yeah, my, my father was, my grandfather was, my father fought in um, Vietnam, and my grandfather fought in World War II, and my stepdad was stationed, I think in, in like the mid-60s, he was stationed in Germany. I'm not exactly sure what he did there, probably whatever it was Elvis did when Elvis um, uh, was in the army. But um, so so I've never had that to, I mean, I think the closest I ever got to, to something was maybe during the Gulf War at the end of high school, start of college for me, when there was, you know, occasionally my, my stepdad would be like, they should, they should bring back the draft. And, and I was like, I don't want to go fight in this war. But I mean, if, if I had to, if I got drafted, I'd go. That's the kind of guy I am. I, I do like in this episode that for the first six or seven minutes before they arrive at the army training spot, it becomes just like gags about a loud, obnoxious army guy, and then the Fonz giving him the raz um, over and over. Um, there, there is kind of a, a bit of a darkness uh, to the opening, you know, where um, Mr. C's response to, like, um, you know, Richie, you're all grown up. Well, he is now. You've been drafted. Wah, wah. And Richie, Richie just responds of, what, what do I do with this? How do I deal with this? You know, I, 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 I didn't plan this. Who would plan this? Yeah, that's that's got to be. I don't. I applaud all all everyone who, <laughs> whoever, got. To, I mean, a lot of people did it, so so it could be done. But who got drafted and just like gave up several years of their life to go and do that, and um, it still it still strikes me just just watching the opening here. That well, the scene is specifically with Richie kind of picking at his pancakes at like five thirty in the morning with the whole family there, and then Richie and, and Ralph and Patsy show up and are kind of stupid, but just kind of like. Richie's face kind of like the darkness outside kind of matches sort of the darkness he you can't you can't tell I mean he at, at first he looks just tired but then he maybe is depressed and um he has been doing the ROTC for two years he says so it's, this isn't this isn't something completely um unknown to him but still there's something about like graduate from high school and then almost immediately getting thrown into the army or wherever and lo- not losing but having the light your life take another direction for what, two years or however long uh, um uh the time lasts there um boy it's it's i will say that um Patsy getting dumber and dumber isn't um isn't um making me like the character more i i really wish i wish if he was gonna if he's gonna get dumb make him funny you know, a good dumb character. You know, like I guess like Hank Kimball is a classic dumb funny character. Jethro Bodine, a dumb funny. Ca- I love a good dumb. A Dougal, Father Dougal from Father Ted. I love a dumb character, but I don't like Potsy. And I think the reason, uh, well, I don't like Potsy as much as I used to. I'll say that. I think the reason is at least uh, on at least two occasions here, he like when someone is trying to do something, he'll he calls them out on it but but not because he's being mean or anything just because he's kind of an idiot and he should be saying something and he is and it's it's Potsy's character is annoying me here Ralph is Ralph is fine although it's funny it's like whenever the gang all gets together Fonzie is the one who makes everyone laugh the most so so I'm not sure what Ralph is um Ralph maybe slightly deluding himself to the fact that he's funny. I like to give him the benefit of the doubt anyway yeah there is something about um the draft in this that um makes the first act kind of um, a little, a bit of a downer, actually. But it does end with Mr. Mrs. C saying, what happens if they get drafted? And Mr. C saying, well, if they get drafted, 
they'll apply for the college deferment. Boom. There you go. And that's, I, I, I'm guessing that's probably exactly what happened in, in, in this, um, with Richie, at least. I'm wondering, well, I don't like to spoil, but I'm wondering why, why like, Potsy and the Fonz never get drafted. Potsy, I want to say, like, maybe psychiatrist talked to him for three or four minutes. It was like, no, no, we can't send him over. And maybe the Fonz, I think does, Ralph says something like, Fonz is the country's secret weapon. And yeah, it's like they realize the Fonz is a superhero and needs to stay here. It, it really is just, um, it's army-type shenanigans is, is this episode. It takes place in one room mainly, and, and there are jokes and things. Or is it in two rooms? I don't know. It doesn't matter. And then Linda Kay shows up, and she's delightful as always. And um, her and the Fonz get some nice flirting in. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about the episode then. The um, yeah, the opening. It's it's interesting. Um, because I I see at least at least one of the people there, at the um at the at the at the army thing, is someone who graduated with them in the previous episode. So I'm wondering how the, how this worked exactly. Was it like okay, well, Jefferson High School, Milwaukee, just graduated a class of seniors, eighteen year old guys, young men, and um, they're about there was it wasn't a big class, maybe twelve or fifteen of them. Let's bring them in for the uh, their physicals. Because that seems weird to that that kind of seems weird to me that they would do. That. Is that the way the draft works? I mean, that's what makes me think it's like you know, okay, we've given you all your physicals. Then when we need to draft from the pool, you are all coming from we will look at who we will take and who we won't that kind of thing rather than okay you've all done your physical you're all getting drafted now you're all joining the army right now because there's something there's something that seems weird to me about um because they haven't been out of of school very long i mean i mean I, i would imagine this is probably just a week or two or something like that after graduation and suddenly like the whole graduating class every male in the graduating class is now going to get drafted and leave basically vanish from Milwaukee for 2 years does that even make any sense does that happen every year do they lose like every every male between 18 and 20 who who is fit to join the army vanishes for 2 years every single one of them that that just seems weird to me it seems like something they'd know if that was happening it just it just seems like a weird thing to me it seems like um I forget the exact numbers on it, but there's a the Amando de Osorio's last Blind Dead film, Night of the Seagulls, has a thing where there's like this small village that they make a point of saying we're a small population, and like it's I forget what it is. It's like every five years, five virgins girls are sacrificed to the 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 you know the the blind dead or something like that, and it's one of those things where you know as you you think about it, you think so every five years, so there's they've got this a number of people in the population. Every five years, five young women are sacrificed. How, like, how do they have any women there? How are there any people there? I mean, isn't that like it's not a very large place? So you're you're like taking out a large chunk uh, every few years. Maybe it was even earlier than because I remember when I when I saw Night of the Seagulls a few years ago. I remember thinking those numbers don't add up, do they? If they're actually killing people within the town, how do they have like women? of like childbearing age <laughs> to continue on the vi- people in the village and this is sort of like that too if um if the army is just saying all right these guys graduated from high school let's draft them and put them in put them in there you know and there isn't you know i know some countries have you know you know um uh, automatic sort of you go and you do your service or whatever but but you know that's not the way i, I know that the draft works um and especially when we're not at war uh, of any kind but th- there is you you, you would think i mean maybe this is the first time they're trying it 
and maybe it's a surprise to everyone you know but it really does look like hey we've just had a graduating class in this town let's draft all of them so, so, so suddenly it goes from being a town with all these young men getting ready to go to college and now they all vanish for two years it's a little weird to me uh anyway how was the episode like the previous dave ketchum tony demarco episode it starts off okay but once they actually get to sort of the sitcom situation thereafter in the time capsule it was locking everyone in the vault in this it's shenanigans with um sergeant bachelor and then the arrival of lieutenant quinlan um once you hit this stuff it's pretty funny i mean it's not you, you know it's it you're not gonna fall over or anything like that there, there's something sort of at the base of it where it's like you know we've watched you know these characters for three and a half seasons now and now are they going to wind up in the army the next two seasons is going to be happy days in the army or something like that i'm not particularly interested in seeing that series but it is it is funny stuff and the Fonz is great and gets off a lot of great lines at, at bachelor ralph is goofy and potsy is dumb and, and richie it's funny. this is another episode where like the, the graduation where you think it's about going to be about richie but it actually turns out to be about the Fonz. And they've done that more than once in this season. And it's interesting, too, because I think, like, when the Fonz shows up, most of the guys there seem to know who he is. And I know I mentioned it briefly in the previous episode that, you know, these, these, these kids at this graduation, they spent four years working their butts off, getting to this night where they could graduate. And now this guy who dropped out and has been taking night school classes for a few months, three nights a week, wants to graduate with them. And he's going to get to give a big speech. And his big speech is all about staying in school, which doesn't make any sense. And it's it's weird because like I wonder for like like how like for every person in that crowd who was like, oh, we're helping the Fonz out. Someone else was there like, who is that? Who are we helping out? The the Fonz? What's a Fonz? Who I don't I don't understand why we do it. It's like I don't understand why we're running in here so fast. I don't understand why all this is happening. Blah blah blah. And it could be the same way, like in this in this in this thing here, where they're taking their physicals and they're filling out their papers. Um, why are we all sitting in the back and these guys who made us run through our graduation and this other guy, this Fonz guy, who I don't know, why are they in charge of everything? Well, it's their show, obviously, is the is the main answer. But it'd be interesting to um do like a um a side episode where you get to see like a character maybe who like sort of um we we have a character who um maybe like every time like um this is my big my big graduation day or today my i've been wanting to join the army this is my big army time or you know this is a big this this is a big that but every time he's about to do it suddenly like the Fonz and richie and everyone kind of get in front of him you know, it's like, today is my big graduation. Everyone rushing because we have to accommodate the Fonz. Who? What's happening? And this guy who, like, every time he hits a big landmark moment in his life, it's sort of scuttled off to one side for these other people that he doesn't really know and doesn't really understand why this is happening. And he doesn't understand that it's he's in a TV show and he's an extra. Or or uh, just this, you know, you know day, day actor, you know, kind of thing. But overall, once you get to the um, army office there, um, it's it's a fun episode. There's some good laughs, and the moment Linda Kay shows up, it's like, oh, awesome! It's great to see her. I'm uh, yeah, as you as you know, so sometime 2021, I will have the Henning, my Henningverse book exploring the Henningverse published. I'm probably gonna have to self-publish it, but I promise you that it will be out sometime this year. I've just had publisher troubles publisher troubles and i'm not publishing the book that the publisher i was working with suddenly wants me to do doesn't seem like a good book to me so i'd rather self-publish my book 
which I think is a lot of fun. But it's it's nice to see her, and um, it's funny because of course, yeah, this is this is set in like say June of nineteen fifty nine, and she's in you know her main sitcom is in the sixties, and so but and this is a sitcom set in the fifties, made in the seventies, and uh, so yeah, it's it's. it's there's really not a lot to say about this episode. The most interesting stuff to me is the stuff about the draft and all that sort of thing. Poor Potsy is just getting so dumb. I keep looking up at the screen when he's on. And it's just like, oh my gosh. There's not really much more to say uh, about it. You know, it ends with uh, you know the pot-bellied bachelor having to do sit-ups while the Fonz takes um, Lieutenant Quinlan out on a date. I don't know where he's going to take her. Uh, but maybe uh, they'll go somewhere nice and they'll have a good time. I don't know, but it's it's a it's a it's a funny like the time capsule. It's just a straight up funny episode. If you can sort of ignore the um, are they ever going to get drafted? That just seems it just seems there there is a, like a a brief moment of a feeling of kind of like a doom kind of moment. You know, I I think part of what it is too is um. As he's sitting there waiting to go to the physical, just the way everyone's kind of like, like um, Mr. C's kind of like, well, this had to happen. And Mrs. C's a little sad, but it's kind of like, okay, you go, dear, and here's our packed a lunch. And Joni's like, well, I want your room. And there's just something about like, there's just something weird, like, you know, like a couple days ago, he graduated from high school and was going to begin college soon and do all this stuff. And oh, he might be spending the next two years, who knows where, doing who knows what. And maybe dying. And there's just something about the way they're kind of like, oh, well, this is what happens. And I guess I guess that's the way. That's the way it was. It makes me, um, it, it makes me kind of sad and also brings a, <coughs> like a real feeling of, I, I just punched my chest when I did that, like a feeling of doom. Almost like of, oof. But enough about doom. Let's go on to the next episode, shall we? Joni's Weird Boyfriend. In this one, this is, um, I forgot who wrote this one. I'll have it for you after the, the music. This, this is basically... Um, Joni is uh, sick to death of being treated like a child. She's 15 now. Uh, just the same way, I think the last time we got Richie's age, he was 17, but I'm guessing he graduated high school, he's 18. And Jenny Piccolo was said to be 15, so I'm guessing Joni is 15. She, Joni doesn't like being treated like a child anymore, so she kind of um, begins to dress like a biker gal, and I believe the gang's name is the Red Devils. And she kind of joins up uh, with this this gang, the Red Devils, and kind of you know begins to go out sort of with a weird guy, uh, one of the biker guys. Because you see at the beginning of the episode, she's going out with a super square guy, and then yeah, she just wants to see be seen as more grown up. And unfortunately, things might go a little wrong. There might be a fight. Let me play you this. I'll be on the other side with the names of the writers for this episode, and me talking about it. very odd things about this episode written by Bob Bruner. One of them is the time when it's set and the other is Roger. Roger is the really dull guy that Joni is going out with who keeps saying the word keen. Joni doesn't really have a boyfriend in the rest of the episode. There's a character named I don't even know Herbie the Turk or something like that 
who's not really her boyfriend in it because he's kind of with this other gal in the gang, this this gang, the Red Devils. But the the, the well, the weird thing I'm coming to is that the episode is called Joni's Weird Boyfriend, and that seems to refer to Roger, who's only in a couple scenes at the beginning of the episode. The rest of it doesn't really... I mean, it's a good misdirection because you think she's going to become some sort of... Um, you know, she's going to... Well, I guess if it... if it, it was funny if it was called Joni's Weird Boyfriends then it would make sense because in the in the, the second half she's going to be initiated into the red devils which means she needs to make out with uh, every uh guy in the gang um being a big fan of renee martinez jr's road of death um uh which has a similar initiatory process Joni got off easy with the making out not that she does she doesn't make out with anyone in this episode she doesn't even get a kiss from roger which seems strange if i would have been roger i would have given Joni a good schmackers although mom and dad are right there but mom and dad are, mr and mrs c aren't paying attention they care too much about the arguing over what to watch on tv mr miniver or boxing anyway what's up no uh so uh, the and the other weird thing is is the time this is set st patrick's day st patty's day it's it's set in st patty's day and um, all the sort of forward push of the previous episodes moving towards the graduation and, uh, you know, the, the stuff with the draft and everything is now now gone because this is now St. Patty's Day and we, we, we haven't hopped forward a year. This, is, this isn't suddenly 1960. Um, this is, we've hopped backwards. It's, it's weird, as, as has been said many times before on this podcast, people say, but don't worry about it. It's meant to be sort of a fantasia of that time period. But when they get very specific, and then they're like, you know, when the, uh, when the, the you know, two episodes ago they graduated, which would have been like June, and then it's, you know, they're graduated, and then they get called up for the draft. And this episode, uh, Richie even says that they're almost 18. So, like, in this one, they're not even 18 yet, but they would have been 18 in the previous episode. So, I mean, it's, it's probably just... You know, in in the in the what, what in the second season, the the Fonzie gets married episode, the first live audience episode was the last one they shot, but was like the fifteenth or sixteenth one they showed. So this is probably simply out of order. This episode was probably meant to air three or four episodes before, something like that, but um, uh, got shown out of order. They felt like they had to bump the graduation. Maybe the graduation was meant to be much nearer the end of the season than it is. Um, I don't know, but but then the 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 um the physical would really have to go after it so it feels a bit weird when it starts off and suddenly it's saint pat saint patty's day i mean um yeah it's just i mean this season we've 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 had thanksgiving and we've had christmas and we've had saint patty's day um i'm sure we've had more holidays in there but it just it's it seems very weird to be going forward in a very definite manner and then to suddenly jump back but luckily we're getting a Joni Joni ish she she's sort of in the end of the episode, she definitely is the lead character, but she really doesn't. The big sort of brawl um, is 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 not. In, in the end, it doesn't really involve her much, and it's sort of like um, it's almost sort of like when she went on the date with Spike, and you thought it was going to be an episode featuring her, but then um, she's featured sort of less and less as it goes along. This one, she's featured very heavily in the first half in her like green dress with Roger, and then when she dresses up like some sort of spangly biker chick, it's kind of funny that. Um, uh, Joni, that shirt that Jenny Jenny Piccolo lends her those clothes that she goes out to to try to join the Red Devils with, and she's wearing a shirt that's like all sparkly and rhinestoney and stuff, and it's it's weird because what during the 
graduation part one, Mr. C was wearing kind of a spiny, spiny, shiny, sparkly, that's, that's shiny and sparkly together, spiny, um, like jacket with like blue rhinestones or something uh, on it. But Joni looks fine when she's going out there as a biker girl. She maybe maybe she looks a little silly. She might have the, a bit too much of the makeup on, and 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 the Fonz, uh, the Fonz does make a mention of that. And and when she kisses Mister Mrs C in the end, she leaves huge streaks of lipstick on their cheeks. Um, but but she is. I mean, she's fifteen. She's trying to figure out what's going on, what's going on in her life. Um, and she just feels like she's boring. She she feels like you know she in the, in the, well, it's weird because she goes out. It's, I mean, for moment one, when she goes, you know, Mr. Mrs. C said, you're not going out dressed like that because she wants to go see the Red Devils. So go to your room. They send her to her room, and then they go bowling. They go bowling a lot. And then Richie comes home, and, and then she sneaks out again. And, and, and she sneaks out for the first time. And in the end, it's kind of this weird thing where the lesson she's learned is not to sneak out like that. Or something. I'm, I'm not sure. Because it's weird because you, you would figure in the end the, the discussion she would have had with Mr. and Mrs. C would have been about, you know, joining this kind of crappy biker gang and that kind of thing. But it's really about how she snuck out when she wasn't supposed to uh, dress like that. She could have gone out if she wasn't dressed like that. It's kind of weird because they make an interesting point that seems a little off-center, which is that in the end, she, Joni says the reason why she went out like she did was because they didn't tell her why she couldn't go out. They just sent her to her room. And Mr. C says, okay, well, next time if something happens like that to send you to your room, we will tell you why. Um, and it's like, but what about the uh, with the bikers and the brawl and the everything like that? I mean, the Fonz kind of does the dad stuff in, in that, which, which is funny. But it's, it's slightly weird that out of the stuff that happens in this episode, it's her sneaking out dressed like that. That is the final sticking point. Um, but it is what it is, I guess. And it is nice when you think that although this has gone back in time, when you think that when Richie's graduated from high school, he's going to be getting a different source of adventures in college. But Joni being there, Joni can now engage in um, adventures of her own, sort of like from the from the female side, which is fun. Well, the tricky thing, which I started to mention a moment ago, though, is that in like season one or two, something like this would have been Potsy going to Richie and saying, we got to join the Red Devils. And Richie would be like, I don't know. But then they decided to join and get in shenanigans. With this one, you just see Joni there. There's no, you don't see Jenny Piccolo. You don't see anyone else. And at least, at least with two people there, you know, it, there's a bit more of a, um, okay, this, my friend wants to do it. So I'm going to give it a try. With this, like when Joni dresses up and, and she goes and hangs out with these, these red devils who are much older than she is. She's 15. I mean, these guys all look like they're in their late teens. And one of them is uh, Rocco from Joni Loves Shachi, who's also the, um, the star of Massacre at Central High. Um, but there, there, is a, there, is a, there is a bit of a weird feeling when she goes away with them. It's like, guys, don't. She's 15. Don't, um, don't, don't go away with her, which the episode doesn't seem to... But doesn't address at all. I mean, I mean, if the if these guys are all out, if these guys are bikers and they're all riding their bikes, what age does that make them? Seventeen, eighteen, taking this fifteen-year-old girl to an auditorium in a deserted high school and make and forcing her to make out with them? It's all very shady, and the, you think about it less and less, and you'll you'll do better with it. I like Richie's um, anger at it, and I do like the brawl. Which is very funny, and as as the Fon says when he's there with the great Carmine, the big ragu, he says, "Didn't we see all this in a Three Stooges movie?" I think I forget when 
Jenny Piccolo first appears. Jeez, I'm hoping it's not season seven. I, I think it's before season seven. But Joni really, if they're going to have episodes where she gets involved in shenanigans like this, she does need someone else with her. Because there is a feeling like that, sort of like, she got all these clothes from Jenny Piccolo, so maybe like she saw this biker gang, and she was like, oh, I'd like to hang out with them because my boyfriend's weird, Roger's weird. And then she goes to Jenny Piccolo, and Jenny Piccolo's like, hey, wear this, go hang out with them, tell them you want to be part of the gang, it'll be great, you'll have a great time. We, we kind of need that other side because whereas sort of when Potsy and Richie do it, it just looks like two dumb guys doing dumb stuff. With Joni, it's a little more worrisome just because she's by herself going to that place with these guys. And I may be being protective of Joni because I've been talking about her for a while now. We've seen her grow up. Um, that could be me being a jerk right there. But but there is something yeah about it that... Um, I mean, I mean, she's saved and everything like that. But but there's no... It's It's just her. You, she needs someone. She needs someone to engage in, in the adventures with her. I mean, how many? I mean, th- think think about all your like high school stories and things like that. You all, there's always two. It's always like someone and someone else with them. You know, a friend with them or, or something. They're really, really ever are the, uh, they alone? And and this Joni is alone. And I um, it's it just feels a little off to me. I applaud that they're they're giving her more stuff to do as they should, um, because she's going to be a lead character before you know it, and. And I do like the, um, uh, I know, go to my room. No, no, not this time. Which is really nice because we've had three and a half seasons of, Joni, go to your room. And she goes up to her room and even comments on it. But this time, they're like, no, no, don't don't go to your room. And they explain to her what's going on. And they tell her they'll try to do better next time. And then they say, no, Joni, you can go to your room. And I like that. I like that quite a bit, but I don't know, maybe that's me being a little protective of Joni. I mean, we all did stupid stuff when we were in high school. The, the dumb things I could tell you about are another podcast. They're not something to um, um, uh, bury this uh, one in. But I, I, do think, I do think that this adventure would work better if Joni had a foil. Now, having said that, um, the best part of the episode is the second half. Um, they get to the... Um, they get to the because uh, because the Fonz has a scene where he meets up with the Turk guy there, and it's it's uh, they're playing. Were they playing when I, Irish eyes are smiling? I forget what they're playing. They're playing an Irish tune, and Fonz wants it played slow, and the Turk wants it played fast. The Fonz just kind of does what he does, which is just you know he just stands there and kind of insults the Turk and just speaks to him very plainly, and then 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 the Red Devils you know leave. Although it's weird that the Red Devils when they come in, they throw more or less Joni and Roger out of uh, the booth in Arnold's which is the booth that Richie and the gang always sit in. Now granted they're playing up on stage the band's playing up on stage so they can't sit there but it's kind of weird when the Red Devils show up because it's kind of one of those it's kind of one of those things where it's like they know who they are the Red Devils. Is this the first time they're coming to Arnold's? Is that is that normally their booth or is that they're just being probably just being jerks I guess but um, so that's that's enough me me going on about Joni and stuff. I'm I'm afraid I repeated myself in there. But what I said was I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that again. But let's just let's just talk about the fun brawl in the end. Um, uh, if 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 this was done like live in front of the audience, the brawl, then it's pretty nicely done because there you know there, there are a couple moments here and there where. Um, there's there's a lot of great physical stuff for about a minute and a half to two minutes. A lot of flying around and punching and spinning, people falling over things. Um, 
I I hesit I I think I think the only times when it looks slightly awkward I think it's probably camera angles, um, because it's mainly being shot like a three camera sitcom, but it's like this kind of fun free for all. So it should be more like it should go to, and maybe it does for some of it, but not for all of it. It it looks like it should go to a um, just like bring in the single camera. And you know, take like a day and 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 do this big fight scene. That's that's kind of what I would have um, liked to have seen. But but as it stands, it um, it it'll cut. It cuts from um, you know some close up shots where things look pretty, uh, sort of you know convincing to sort of longer shots where you know everyone's kind of doing it live and it's um, you know and they've only had a limited amount of time to work on it and sometimes it looks a little off but mostly it looks fun mostly it, it's it's a lot of fun and it's well done and and the spots where it's off i think is more like um through um just like a slight edit off here and there and there are a few moments in this where i wish we're not going to see this on the big screen but i wish they would have gone in a little closer um for occasional moments uh because there, there, there's uh for example there's a moment where um like uh um uh they're near the um the the horse the pummel horse thing and um richie's kind of being held in front of it kind of this is the one guy's kind of grab richie's arms from the behind is kind of pulling at him and ralph's next to him trying to get the guy off of richie and one of the thugs gets up on the pommel horse and leaps at richie and and you see richie kind of wrench his way out of the drop to the ground that guy's arms drop to the ground and the, and the one biker guy just knocks down the other biker guy and it's very nicely done, and Ron Howard gets out of there right on time. But the camera is a bit too far away. It, it can, and it just and and it's in the background, and there's other stuff happening sort of in the foreground. So when you get this really nice main moment, we're too we're a bit too far away. Um, and you, the second time you watch it, you can see it happen, and it's pretty darn good. But it's just like. I really wish they had... Hell, they used to do that in Doctor Who. Remember, what is it, the fourth episode of Doctor Who? The Firemaker. Back from December of 1964, when Cal and Zah engage in their final fight. It goes from being multi-camera in a tiny studio to uh, whatever the film... I forget what film studio they went to. And they shot it with a single camera on film. You know, and I think that, that the fight is a lot of fun to watch. And it's great that the Fonz... Again, the Fonz really doesn't get involved with the fight. And it's, it's Richie, Potsy, and Ralph fighting these three big thugs. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. But at the same time, uh, the camera isn't always in the right spot, which is too bad. And I'm sure they probably got that too. If they, I, I, they, they, they had like one camera just like looking at everything. And then another one probably had specific spots. And then maybe a third one just like picking out spots where it would go to and there were just some moments when they didn't have everything they needed and you could see everything that goes on and it's funny and um it almost has a feel like a like a batman fight from the 60s series but i do wish it had been shot um i, I wish it had been shot sort of single camera and 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 edited um a little sharper um but if you said that if they did that all live in front of an audience they probably did it more than once, but if they did it all live in front of an audience, that's pretty darn impressive. So I, I like that. Um, now, is this um, uh, how was the episode? Um, I like I like this episode quite a bit. I think um, the, the 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 tricky thing with it is that like we've seen, like I said, we've seen like Richie and Patsy, you know, and even Ralph like get involved in stuff like this previously. So now we're seeing Joni get involved with it. But like I said, without without someone to bounce it off of, as it were. 
Joni, it ends up... I mean, j- just imagine if, like, Richie had just gone and joined. What, remember that when he had to dress up like a girl and he danced with the Fonz? Imagine if he just did that on his own without telling anyone why he was doing it, except maybe at the end. You would have been like, Richie, why are you doing that? That that gang stinks. Why are you doing that? But because Potsy was there goading him on and da-da-da-da, that, that put you there. Whereas watching Joni do this, those guys... That biker gang, they're so great. Now they're kind of dirty, and I bet they smell a bit, and I, I don't think they're that great. And you can see in her mind, she's, she's seeing it being kind of romantic, maybe like the Fonz was a biker, maybe something like that, I don't know. But um, And they kind of disrespect the Fonz, which you think would have kind of put her off them. But it's it ends up it ends up feeling weird because you don't have the character to bounce off. Why are we doing this? And And that's kind of a brave move. But it's also, um, it also, it, it also makes her look a bit foolish and a little reckless in a way maybe that um, I'm worried about. You know, I could care less what happened to Richie and Potsy, but I don't worry about Joni. So um, that's, yeah, that's, that's Joni's weird boyfriend, which again, you know, is, um, I guess is Roger Keen. He sounds like the tick. So that was episode, C- uh, this season four, episode 10, everybody. Thank you for listening. We are getting near the end of season four. We only have four episodes left. Wow. Okay, in the next episode, we are going to discuss Fonz How Inc. and Spunky Come Home. Well, there you have it. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and be good to yourselves. And, yeah, I will be back next time. And whew, we are getting near the end of season four. They're big, big season. Wow. So, oh, I forgot one thing. I forgot one thing. And then I'm gone. The draft stuff in, in the physical. I was thinking when, when I saw them get drafted and, well, you're a man now. You've just been drafted. I was thinking at some part, wouldn't it have been great if Chuck was still around? He could have joined them in the fight against the bikers, too. Sorry. I was trying to think, where's the draft come up previously in... Um, maybe that's what happened to Chuck. Maybe he got drafted and missing in action somewhere. Maybe they sent him to a place where there was some sort of insurrection and um, he never made it back. Speaking of the draft, I was trying to remember where that had been mentioned before and then I realized it may have been mentioned briefly in in Happy Days, but what really comes in is is the punchline for the first Crack Magazine parody of Crack back from issue like 110, the one with MASH on the cover, Um, the um, the issue from like summer of 74. That's the one where... Um, the 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 entire time is Richie and Potsy like just um ta- everything's about the fifties. Everything's where the fifties, where the fifties, where the fifties. And you know, Mr. C and Mrs. C and Joni only have a brief appearance, and that's before the Fonz was any sort of main character. So the Fonz kind of shows up and sort of speaks some reality about what's going on in the time. But Richie and Potsy aren't interested. It's the fifties. It's the fifties. It's the fifties. And then it ends with, I think, with Mr. C saying, "Hey guys, you forgot to w- mention one more part of the fifties. What is it? Well." Richie, you got your mail. You've been drafted. What? And that's that's kind of the gag there, is maybe they read Crack Magazine, and they're like, take that down. We got to have one where that happens. Yeah. So I just thought of that. You know, I love you guys. And um, be good to yourself. And we'll be back next time with some Fonz How or How Fonz and Spunky Time. So listen to this. <laughs>